Hello and welcome to Third Times a Charm, the show that takes an in-depth look at the third installment of a franchise. This is episode 81, The Return of the Shaggy Dog from 1987. I'm your host, Mike Manzi, and joining me tonight is my unofficial co-host, Brian Rodriguez. Welcome, Brian. Happy to be here, Mike. I feel like the Shaggy Man, because I haven't shaved in a while. Ooh, has someone Uh, only read half the inscription on the ring? (laughs) <laughs> i like literally lost my beard trimmer it's not a statement i'm not you know i am for mm. well you know certain causes but i'm not trying to make a statement here but i got a new beard trimmer today so nice. i'll be the shaggy man no more do me a favor uh by the time we roll around to deadpool 3 do the wolverine for me oh Let my me see god the wolverine just shave the middle part i mean you've got <laughs> enough to make it work now mm-hmm. that I have a baby, I probably won't go clean shaven cold turkey like that. And like, because that'll just confuse her. Be like, who the hell is this man now? But I mean, the Wolverine might be okay, right? Like, there's enough beard there. It might pass the baby test. I don't know about the wife test. It's a, <laughs> it's a whole other test. I'll tell you what, if I like was jacked like the Jack man, then maybe oh, it would pass the wife test. Well, yeah, anything goes <laughs> once you have that body, I'm sure, and that charm and can sing like that. You just sing. You're like, you know, you sing, I'm going to keep this beard in a lovely voice and do a little twirl. And this has nothing to do with why we're here tonight. Uh, Although, you know, dogs wearing glasses doesn't make them look more human. It makes them look more disturbing. (laughs) I know we're here for the Shaggy Dog, but really quickly, you brought up X-Men. Have you done X3? Not yet. I was holding on to it for the month before Deadpool 3, but I know Kyle really doesn't want to talk about that. But he's been on all my other Marvel part threes he's my marvel man and he was my star wars stud i didn't really call he was my leaf brother i'd really like to do it with him but i'd also like to have nico and one of the uh x bros well regardless i think if you really want kyle beast kelsey grammar beast is the way to sell it yes like anyone who shits on that movie and i get it like it still has such a great beast in kelsey grammar so and Kelsey Grammer recently in the news because, I mean, spoilies, if you're listening for The Marvels. Have you seen The Marvels, Brian? No. He's in you it? haven't seen? Yeah. Oh, so, okay. So, post-credit scene, Beast from X-Men shows up, voiced by Kelsey Grammer. This time, full CGI, still voiced by Kelsey Grammer. And he was um, interviewed, and he's like, I love the character. It was an honor to play him. I want to do it more. It, you know, I wish I had a chance to play him a couple more times and he appears in about three of those movies as beast now quickly okay this is Mm -hmm. this is not just for your third times fans out there or shaggy dog fans out there arf arf we don't have much to say on the shaggy dog maybe we do who knows so let me just take this quick segue so x-men is now in the mcu so okay have you seen wandavision let me take you back a little bit okay so there's there's no second season of wandavision right no Okay. But this is sort of a sequel in a way to WandaVision in that Monica Rambeau, who acquired her powers by walking through the hex, is in the Marvel. She's one of the three Marvels. It's her, it's Captain Marvel, and it's Miss Marvel from television. And at the end of that, there's a riff in space and time because of the events of the movie. And she has to go on the other side of another universe to help to like seal up the rift. And she gets sort of stuck on the other side in another dimension or another universe. So she's in an alternate timeline right now. And she gets rescued by the X-Men. And she wakes up and she's like in the sort of uh, bunker that's in the, uh, you know, that's in like the X-Mansion. It looks exactly like that. Like she wakes up like in one of those sort of silver rooms and Beast walks up. There's more to it, but like Beast walks up and he's like, oh, hello there. Like, where did you come from? And like, you know, all this shit. (laughs) But is is it just like John Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic? Or this is like, whoa, this is the way that the portal opens. That's the question now on everyone's mind, you know, that uh, that saw it. That's the way. Is this the same Kelsey Grammer beast or is this another one? What universe did she cross over into? All will be, I'm sure, revealed eventually. So, oh, oh, we were supposed to shout this out on Uncle Francis's wine cellar and we we, (laughs) we will when I remember. But Mike, I recently was in Vermont. Oh, yes. Uh, Little little news here. Mm-hmm. And I went to a record store and, you know, you're more of the, I'm not, I'm not dating you, but, but you know, you're more the record store guy mm-hmm. than me just yeah. because like physical media, well, I, uh, analog, 
guy, I guess. We both have extensive vinyl collections, but vinyl was even rare for me to ever buy until the vinyl revival. The uh, revinyl? <laughs> the revinyl. Went to a vinyl record shop, got some records, and if and you recall, I, I do even remember this in like Sam Goodies and stuff, the record staff would make their recommendations. Of course. Right? Like that's a big part of working at a record store and being at a record store. That, that was an entire episode of Seinfeld for Elaine. So I, I'm trying to get the name of it, but I went to a record store in Brattleboro, Vermont. Turn it up. That's the name my wife remembered. And I get to the counter and I sent you this picture. Yeah. Graham at the record store was recommending CDs, and one of his recommendations was the Godfather Part Three soundtrack. Which I'm like, <laughs> what? But I loved it. Good for Graham. Awesome. Like deep like, cut. Yeah, deep, deep cut. Graham. The Godfather Three episodes on here are one of my favorites. They really oh, were the genesis yeah. of our other show, Uncle Francis's Wine Cellar. If you listen to Third Times a Charm and for some reason do not listen to Uncle Francis's Wine Cellar, that makes no sense to me because it's the same. Usually the same two people <laughs> having a good time. So definitely mm-hmm. check that show out. But wanted to shout out Graham from the record store in Brattleboro that I just named before. Turn it up because he clearly has good taste. On to the Shaggy Dog. My apologies for this segue. No, we speak your name. The name of Graham. You are one <laughs> of us. I hope you don't get turned into a dog one day. <laughs> Brian, I mean, this isn't just like kind of random that we're watching a Shaggy Dog movie today. The Shaggy Dog. I mean, Shaggy no. Dog is a kind of genre of film in its own sense like a detective uh, like noir kind of stuff as well but this is the shaggy dog this will probably conclude our trilogy of live action disney films that we've done we did the santa claus 3 we did honey we blew up ourselves and now we're doing the return of the shaggy dog so you can rest easy about that kind of stuff <laughs> i don't know i kind of like that stuff but but i think i do need a break yeah, we're not done. We're just going to take it easy on the Disney for a bit. Also, when I think of dogs, I think of you because... Whoa, you... whoa. Are you talking to <laughs> my wife too much? Whoa. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but you work with a lot of dogs, right? If I'm not mistaken, you don't have to go in depth. You don't have to reveal yourself, but... Yes, I am, I am in the pet care industry. I've met a lot of dogs. I've been in the pet care industry for, I think, eight years now. I, my math is bad. Work with a lot of dogs. Don't see a lot of sheep dogs in the city. Yeah, the shaggy dog you. is a sheep dog. It's very, very, very rare, but they are beautiful dogs. So these movies are always fun to me. I really didn't have a dog until I was a teenager. Okay. Like I didn't I didn't grow up with yeah. dogs, but I used to love dog mm-hmm. movies. So I watched the original Shaggy Dog. I know we're gonna get into the franchise later. I think that's the only one I saw, but I used to love like oh, Benji. Yeah. Beethoven. That was ben- a big one. If there's a Benji three, I just said Beethoven, and now there's definitely Beethoven's third, right? Beethoven. There's got to be at least of five, course, right? Yeah. They had to get to the fifth of Beethoven with that series. That that, that big ass dog, Charles Grodin. <laughs> I wonder how many he made it through. He's so annoyed throughout the franchise. So, <laughs> well, that's yeah. The first um, one's hysterical because of him. I feel Homeward Bound oh, yeah. is a series from when I was a kid. Milo and Otis. Oh, even animated. What What about Oliver and Friends? I remember seeing that in theater. Oh, <laughs> Oliver, Oliver and Company. Company yeah. yeah, that's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah, it's a whole subgenre. Lassie, I mean Lassie, right? Uh, Rin Tin Tin. If you want to go even further back, I'm sure that you know he had cereals in the uh, '40s because he was a uh, based on an actual dog from World War One, if I'm not mistaken. Rin Tin Tin. Uh, so rescue dogs go way back, and yeah, dogs on screen. Who doesn't love them? I, you know, funny enough, I didn't grow up with pets. I wasn't really an animal guy until my family members started getting cats and dogs and then I was very much like them. And I love, I walk my sister's dogs like every morning, you know, at least like five out of seven days a week. Yeah. I was excited to see some, some doggy uh, antics on screen. I was excited about this one because I had never seen it or heard of it. I, I knew there, there were more Shaggy Dog movies, but this is this one was uh, unique. Funny enough, I think this is the only one I've ever seen. It started and something was eerily familiar about it. And as it went on for about five minutes or so, six minutes, I was like, I think I've seen this. I think I watched this on TV in 1987 during some sort of Channel 7 Sunday night movie special kind of situation perhaps you know because disney ran uh channel seven and so i remembered seeing this like it was so bizarre and i knew exactly what was going to happen with the plot with the dog commercial and the wedding and 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 the ring and and all that yeah this franchise has 
quite a history that I was not prepared. <laughs> so I don't know how much you know about it, Brian, but did you know that it is actually all based on a novel, The Hound of Florence? <laughs> I did not know that. That's interesting. I did not either. It's an Austrian fantasy children's novel. I'm reading out a wiki now by Felix Salton, set during the early 18th century Austria and Italy, served as the inspiration for the shaggy dog. Its story follows a teenage main character. He lost his parents, lives in Vienna, he's poor, great poverty, longs to return to his native Italy, desires to study art in Florence through super, here we go, through supernatural means, his wishes magically granted, he must endure taking the form of the Archduke's dog named Kem Besis. <laughs> okay. Every other day, he travels from Vienna to Florence and learns that he must continue to live his duality. He is cursed until the Archduke will leave Florence for Vienna. However, ending in tragedy, the Archduke stabs the dog to death with a dagger. Uh -oh. Spoiler alert. Uh-oh. Inadvertently killing the man. Wow. It was first translated into English in the 30s. So, you know, Disney took this and clearly they're like, hey, this is a children's story. We got to do something with this tragedy. <laughs> a couple notes on that. When you first started this show, Mike, you used to read the novelization. So I'm kind of True. disappointed that you don't have a chapter prepared of The Hound of Florence. <laughs> but also you and I on Uncle Francis's Wine Cellar, which I'll plug again, we are currently deep in to Mario Puzo's The Godfather, the inspiration for the film, of course. The novel. Yeah, yes, the novel. Yes. So like maybe, maybe you should go back to this. Maybe we should read The Hound of Florence on air. Who knows? It's wild. I just, I just found out about it tonight. If I, if, you know, if maybe I had a little more, if I should start a Patreon, you know, for uh, buying the books again and all that. But no, this had never occurred to me. I thought that this was just like a crazy Disney creation. Because how do you go from that? How do you go from sort of this homeless teenager and he has to be the Archduke's dog every other day and then he gets stabbed as a dog? Then now Disney's like, all right, he's a district attorney, well, <laughs> you know, and like there's centuries old jewelry and he says a magic word and then antics ensue. Well, it's interesting. I, I know we mentioned this a bunch previously, but maybe there's some shaggy dog fans out there who haven't listened to your other episodes who are really excited for this one. But the Disney live action world especially back mm -hmm. then, again, pre-MCU and stuff like that, pre-Star Wars and stuff. Like, it is a fascinating deep dive. You know, the Love Bug, Apple Dumpling Gang, Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Yeah. And I know... Look, you know, there's like the Cat from Space and stuff. Oh, weird stuff. Weird yeah. stuff. There's another dog one called called the Ugly Dotson. I don't know if you've heard of that one. Never heard of they that They used one. to just like run these low budget live action movies and just like, let, let's go with it. Let's see. A and this was a part of that. So uh, the original Shaggy Dog, not this one. Once we get to Shaggy Dog 3, you know, the return of Shaggy Dog, this is an era where Disney is trying to make a comeback. I'll plug it again. The, our other podcast, Uncle Francis Wine Cellar, we covered something called Captain EO. Correct. A ride film, if you will, in Disney World that Francis Coppola directed with Michael Jackson. Now, that's the same era as this. Michael Eisner had taken over yes. Disney. And he was trying his damnedest to bring it back. One of the great American treasures of the original era of TV was really Walt Disney getting on there and doing his what wonderful world of Disney. Something it was called something like that, right? It's funny you say that. It's the magical world of Disney. And you know, the old school version of it used to have Walt Disney introducing something, right? Right. And then right. he would go to the movie, which was classic. America loved that. So they decided, I don't know if you did the research on this part, but they decided to reboot it. I read this that Michael Eisner was actually the host. This corporate CEO yep. guy just decided to jump in and be the host. I remember. I tried my damnedest to get the clip of Michael Eisner introducing this because apparently mm. he talks about it. And he says the spell and he turns into the shaggy dog? No way. Committed. All but right. he's a powerful man and he's definitely headed a race from the internet. That is hilarious. Yeah, it says right here that during the 80s, this sequel and a prequel, they were released exclusively through television broadcast. In the early 80s and 90s, made for TV, uh, Walt Disney Productions, produced and released as part of the Magical World of Disney series. 
again, what's fascinating to me about that is that, well, just overall with this series, the first one dropped. The first one, 1959. All right. So like I think of Vietnam is going on and back home, we're watching men turn into dogs. <laughs> because the public doesn't know about Vietnam yet, right? Like it's there, but it's like in the background and we still think that the world's great. Yes, we could get, we could get nuked at any time, but hey, by the way, another one of the movies in that era was The Absent-Minded Professor with Jerry Lewis. Which they redid in the 80s with Night Court's own Harry Anderson. Harry Anderson. Then they redid it in the 90s as Flubber with Robin Williams. So that's, you know, you're you're making my point for me. Disney would go back to their same well and do it over Mm -hmm. and over again. And guess what? They're still doing it that way. So the last Shaggy Dog movie, let's just jump to it, which is number five, was released no less than... 20 years ago we're getting you know? another so one, i think it's for sure 2006 not to bury the lead there or anything but it was uh Tim allen as the shaggy dog you know the role he was born to play finally being able to bark and read it in the script <laughs> and it also starred none other than uh pre-iron man post-prison robert downey jr proving that he was insurable by disney yeah yeah they movie. actually made him do that <laughs> the shaggy dog the fifth one it's very very different it has instead of like the borgia ring and stuff like that it is just a straight reboot it's a even a different breed of dog it's a bearded collie not not an english dog i believe the dog bites him instead well it seems something something about a serum well he has to get the serum to go yes he is bitten by the sheep dog that is infected with the top secret serum you know what it is mike it is literally the plot of the Santa Claus, but instead of turning into the Santa Claus, <laughs> he turns into a dog. It's all the Wolfman. It's all Wolfman. Sure. Not Bernard, but we talked about this on the Santa Claus three. From Holtz? No, no, no. The one, no, not from the one who replaces okay. Bernard in Santa Claus three. Oh, oh, uh, Breslin. Yeah, he's the son in this one. He's like the disillusioned te- oh, wow. teenage son in the Shaggy yeah. Dog. So it's clearly like, all right, we can't make another Santa Claus movie. Let's figure our shit out now. But back to this one. How often do you get this? Because this film is a sequel to the first movie. Not the second movie? It ignores the second movie. So, let me paint the picture for you. In the first film, the oldest son turns into the shaggy dog, and the youngest son sort of protects him from the dad. The dad's the star, but he doesn't turn into the shaggy dog. Everyone thinks that, but it's the son. Is it it still Wilby and Moochie? Yes, yes. No shit. No shit. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I believe so, but like they're they're like kids, and the older bro- the older it. brother turns into the shaggy dog. The younger one, you know, sort of becomes his protector, and the dad is like the one who's like, wait a minute, like you know what I mean? He's one holy shit. Out. It is. Will be in Mooch. The second movie is twenty years later, I believe. What's the year? Uh, nineteen seventy six. So not quite twenty, but close. It's called the Shaggy DA, and. Wilby with Tim Conway, yeah, right. and Wilby has become a, a lawyer. He's a district attorney. You know, I I don't know if the brother's in it. It's just about his life with that, right? Like you could watch the trailer. This film that we're talking about today, The Return of Shaggy Dog, ignores the DA thing clearly because you know the brothers aren't lawyers or anything like that. It's a one of these weird trilogy movies that's not a reboot, but not a continuation of the second film. Weird because. It's definitely a continuation of a film. The first film. Yeah, so it's more of a sequel that came third. Uh, in the first airing, I believe, that I, I looked this up, and you can see commercials for it, they aired the first Shaggy Dog for like a week or two weeks, because sometimes they would like cut the movie in half. Um, and then they aired this one, ignoring the Shaggy DA. They were like, and now here's the sequel. What What are the younger brothers up to? This is what they're doing, you know? So Got it. Like, if you were truly building the universe, it doesn't make sense, like, chronologically, if you watch the Shaggy DA, it's clearly not, like, in a, it's in the 70s, you know what I mean? It's, it's different. But in theory, if you want to, like, strip all the background stuff, this is truly the second one. Because he could have become a DA. He could become a DA after this, you know what I mean? It's plausible. Isn't he a lawyer in this one? What's his job? I thought he was a lawyer in this one. I think he is. And then Tim Allen's a lawyer in the next one. But, like, they also have, like, an advertising agency. I don't understand. Yeah, he's a lawyer, not a DA anymore. I guess that's what's going or, on. Or he hasn't become one yet. I don't know. What I'm still trying to figure out is where this damn ring comes from as far as the like, Borgia family you know, for some reason. Right. Is that what they took from the book? Is the is the Borgia family Maybe. from the book? And they're like, we need some kind of thread to carry over. I am curious, Mike. You are an expert in this. I know probably not third films because it seems too soon, but 
off the top of my head, I know Terminator did this. Maybe Alien did this, where you just like, all right. Halloween did it. What, where you ignore certain installments? Halloween okay. did it twice. <laughs> It did. It really did. It made H2O, which was a direct sequel to the first movie with Jamie Lee Curtis. And then it made Halloween. When was that? Like just like less than uh, six years ago or something. There's been three of them. So like they rebooted it and it's like, here's a sequel to part one again. And it's just called Halloween. And it's like, be more confusing. I know what you're talking about. I just did it. I Googled it. This website is called MovieWeb. 10 sequels that ignore the previous movie. Let's see. Oh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3 is a sequel to the first one. Tell me if you agree with this list, though. Jaws the Revenge. Does it ignore Jaws 2? Jaws 2 is a true sequel, I believe. Yeah, but, the, no, but uh, jo- it ignores Jaws 3. Oh, that you're right. It does ignore Jaws 3. So so this is a little quiz. Yeah, this is a little that's quiz. off in SeaWorld on its own. This is a little quiz for you, Mike. I'm going to name you the film in the series, and you're going to tell me what it ignores, okay? All right. Cue theme music. You already aced the first one. You, you already <laughs> aced Jaws the Revenge, 1987. All right. Next question. Terminator Dark Fate, 2019. What does it ignore? It is ignoring Terminator Salvation and Terminator Genesis. That's correct. I mean, you could also say like what it's, what it comes after. I will accept that as well. So it comes after T3, which I still have to do, right? Is that what they're saying? It comes after T3 or, oh no, it doesn't. It comes after, it T2. Comes after T2. 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 So Because of the opening of Dark Fate, young teenage John Connor digitally recreated is blown away by a Terminator in like south of the border. Really? Oh it is God. a riot. I mean, this is an obvious one. Scary Movie 2 purposely ignores the events of the first Scary Movie, some of them as a joke. It's it's part of the gag, so I'm not counting that one, but it's on this list. The answer is obvious for this one, but Evil Dead 2 apparently ignores Evil Dead. Is that accurate? Oh, so the first half is sort of a quasi-remake of Evil Dead 1, sort of speeding through the most important, like the cliff notes of what you need to do, like get you up to speed. And then when, when, where Evil Dead 1 ends, Evil Dead 2 like really takes off. Gotcha. I don't know if I agree with this one, but they say Jurassic World was supposed to be a direct sequel. What are they saying? That's a sequel to to, to the first one? Yeah, but I don't agree with that one because like... No, not anymore because they brought everybody back in the last one. They brought Goldblum back. I'm trying to think of more. But this one's bullshit too. The next one's Rocky Balboa. It says it ignores Rocky V. It doesn't ignore Rocky V like it didn't happen. It just doesn't want to talk about it. They were going to do this with... Neil Blomkamp's Alien, it was going to be made, it got really close, and it was going to be a direct sequel to Aliens, the James Cameron movie. Mm. It was going to ignore part three and everything that came after that. Uh, But I think the new one, the Fede Alvarez movie, it ignores all like the Prometheus stuff, like the prequel stuff that was coming out recently you remember that stuff? oh like, yeah yeah giant, really wow like, yeah yeah it's gonna be like no that's not canon for for this aliens well we uh, we, we also like know a lot of the planet of the apes stuff ignores each other like we don't have to get into that well i don't know about you brian but the first five movies are a tight 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 story actually for it's sure. not that they're not tight it's like they were actually uh after the first two were successful they sat down and planned out the rest of that series they didn't quite have the money to uh, realize it the way they had hoped necessarily, but part three and four are great movies. I really like those Planet of the Apes films. We did Escape on this show with Austin. Austin Will Southern was on. Yeah, and like the, you know, number two is the most orphan of those, believe it or not, you know? But it's not like the other ones ignore it. This next one's also bullshit. X-Men Days of Future Past. I get it ignores stuff, but it doesn't because of, you know, it doesn't ignore it. It's like it still exists in a timeline, so I don't care that. If anything, it merges everything and says like it all's connected. Mm-hmm. Like that was a really clever way of doing it too i like that movie i like when professor x talks to himself in the future this one's an obvious one 2006's superman returns remember that one? Oh, right that's supposed to be a sequel to superman 2 if i believe yeah so it, it ignores one of your favorite films superman 3 the first movie i did on this show the very Absolutely. first movie halloween as you mentioned and then there's one more on the list oh apparently did this movie come out i am legend 2 oh it's on its way and it's a sequel to the director's cut ending where Will Smith survives, right? That's the one? I thought they should have done a one where it, like, it revealed that he had another kid that survived and it grew up to be look exactly like Will Smith or something. Or maybe he had a twin brother. 
Another tangent, but I feel like, you know, this is the episode four tangents. Let's keep talking the return of Shag- sure. Shaggy Dog. You know, this one is just like a quick TV movie type deal. So, yeah, we got uh, Wilby and Moochie. One's a lawyer. The other is in advertising. And Wilby's getting married. Moochie has to cast a dog commercial. The old professor in charge of the mystical ring is dying. And his butler and his maid are trying to rob him blind. <laughs> they become in possession of the ring. The inscription is read, and that's when the dog mania ensues. Wilby becomes a dog. He is mistaken <laughs> for the he is mistaken for the dog that is going to be in the commercial. His fiance thinks he's cheating on him, but he isn't. He's just a dog. <laughs> and she doesn't know that. His brother's like trying to get him back from the lady borrowing him for the commercial, which is weird that she wants to like look after him instead. Eventually Wilby as a dog shoots a dog food commercial, one of the best scenes in the movie. And at the end of the movie, as a human, he gets married to his fiance. His brother is gonna probably go out with laura the ad executive you know that's kind of the gist of it a lot of cute stuff happens i think the dog is adorable i think the puppetry actually works really well in this movie for some reason right maybe it's the uh low resolution of youtube that we had to watch this off of but this wasn't nearly as painful to watch as i was expecting it to be you know there is a certain charm to made for tv movies that i think younger people who were not in that era might not understand i say that and then i realize that there is a natural succession to these movies and that's like the netflix movies that they make like yes they make like big epic movies but they also make you know formulaic movies especially around christmas this is the best equivalent to that this is very formulated but this is how they used to turn them out you know like this is a very competent film it's for a certain demographic like i watched it i was seven it was perfect for me probably you know like do you think there's a lot of grown-up attorneys who are like when i was young i watched a shaggy da and i grew up to be an attorney and like that was my goal and i don't know if it's like for you know i don't know if that's happening per se like if we got a lot of fond memories for a nostalgia for the shaggy dog per se but like for what it is this movie is successful because it's competent and it's way more competent than I was actually expecting. I actually do think that there's some, believe it or not, some nostalgia when they do this. That's why I think they run the original Shaggy Dog the weeks before, so that parents, when they're flipping their, like, five channels, unless you were rich enough to have 20 with cable, right? You're flipping, you're flipping, you're like, oh, I remember that as a kid. And then the, the child gets interested, and then everyone sits down and watches it together. And the parents are probably like, oh, the original was better. But the kid is like, this is awesome. You know, he turns into a dog. Right. So fun for the whole family. And, uh, you know, Moochie is definitely playing to me as a kid. Like, he's the the jokey younger brother who's a joke. That was me. That is me. I like the brotherly dynamic. The whole bit with the English maid and butler is is kind of clever uh i think that they play their parts right like it's just you know i'm not necessarily saying it's like well written or anything but like it, it could have been disastrous now i also think that there are certain like you say maybe charms there's a certain charm to it being a uh you know clearly shot on like a disney lot or heavily under the watchful eye of the family censor, right? Like it just feels, even though we do get a lady in a bathrobe, uh, it feels like everything is just so calculated with something like this, you know, that it's basically set out to be completely harmless form of sort of entertainment. And, and for that, like, I, I was like, Oh, this, this was kind of cute actually to watch. Harmless is the best word for it, right? Like, it is so harmless, this film. I would not recommend this to, again, someone who's not familiar with this series or someone who doesn't listen to Third Time to Charm, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, this isn't for mass consumption. Like, this is like, this part of the show is painting myself into corners like this, where it's like, all right, I want to watch a Shaggy Dog movie. What's part three? And it's just like, oh, damn it. Like, I guess, all right, here's the one we watch. In that regard, like, since it's sort of my job in that way, it was painless. So but I don't I wouldn't recommend someone go watch this necessarily like check out the Tim Allen one or something, you know, something more modern. But like Nightmare on Elm Street, Dream Warriors is a great example, I think. Dream Warriors. <laughs> but like if, if you're yes. into horror and you haven't seen that film, like you're missing out, right? Pretty much. Like yeah. who is this Fantastic. who is this one for in 2024? Who is Return of the Shaggy Dog for in 2024? Just us, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, like real diehard completionists. 
this reminds me of when I tried before podcasting, I would do stuff like this. I'd pick a series. I watch every movie in it. And I went pretty well for a while until I got to the Pink Panther movies. And the problem is the first two are so incredible. So especially that second one is like one of the funniest movies I've ever seen in my life. Uh, and then Peter Sellers died uh, and they recast him for the third one. And it was not great at all. And then they used like old footage of him <laughs> for the next two. And it's just like, why even bother? Why try? Like after that second one, you should have just called it a day. And now we got like those remakes 20 years ago with Steve Martin, you know, the builder. And Beyonce. Oh, yeah, she's in that. That's right. Then that series has sort of petered off, too. I don't hear anybody, you know, hearkening back to those good old days either. But this is sort of in that same category for sure. Now, side note, side note, growing up. Yeah. Pink Panther cartoon, one of my favorites. Oh, terrific. They spun it off to a cartoon. Yeah, it was very nice. Absolutely. Now, where's the Shaggy Dog cartoon? Where was that? (laughs) You know, this is this is like a prime formula, like a man turns into a dog. It's adorable. You know, this feels like something that could have been or should have been a little bit more than just, you know, these sporadic TV movies that came along. There was another one in the 90s. You know, it seems like every 10, 15 years, 20 years, they tried to bring this out again. And I guess just waiting for it. We're to come due, back. we're due. You know, now with today's technology, but, you know, we have stuff like Ted. Right. The talking <laughs> trashy mouth teddy bear. Like, how can the shaggy dog kind of compare in a world with Ted? Yeah, I guess you're right. We're a little too jaded of a society currently for that. But then again, they thought that in the 70s, right? Like, they thought that we'd gotten super jaded. And in the 80s and then in the 2006 even. Yeah, but I wonder what the box office was. It is very, very interesting. Can I share my notes? on? I don't have a lot of notes on this film, but did you see who the writer was? No. Wow. Let me hold on. Hold on. Don't. Where are we? The return of the shaggy dog. What? (laughs) Paul Haggis. What? (laughs) Is this (laughs) pre-Scientology? I don't know. And see, maybe that's why maybe that's why it flows well. You know, he's a good writer. And look, he's not a great person. He has been found guilty of rape in a civil trial so i want to be clear when i say this not a good person no never but you know he's scientologist so never really was in my book just you know wrote great james bond movies fair enough but yes he as a writer in a certain era was the most in-demand screenwriter known to man like i hate saying it saying it that way but million dollar baby oscars crash oscars Flags of Our Fathers, Eastwood, James Bond, Two Bonds. Two Bonds with Casino Royale, which is one of the greatest Bonds of all time, arguably. Co-creator of Walker, Texas Ranger. I wonder who he co-created that with. (laughs) That I didn't know. No, and then he would go on to direct some TV stuff, right? But his first writing credit was a film called Red Hot. Never heard of it. He was the director as well. His second writing credit in Hollywood is The Return of the Shaggy Dog. So, insane. Awesome. You never know where you come from. I mean... You never know where they come from. They know where they're coming from. But like, I never knew where he came from. <laughs> I don't really care where he's going, but that was crazy. Does that make this cursed? Maybe. Is it cursed? It's not as cursed as that Captain EO opening parade. That was wild. Still can't. I still have nightmares. It's like watching that was like watching something generated by AI. Like, you know, like you see that stuff in motion on Instagram sometimes and it's just nightmare fuel. Like that's what that Captain EO parade reminded me. It's, it's like the Black Hole Sun video <laughs> Or Soundgarden. Yeah. Spoon Man. Yep. Spoon Man. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Haggis is an Oscar winner. He's an Emmy Emmy winner. Not a good guy. Want to make that clear. It is funny, like, you know, getting his start in this film. Uh, but maybe, like, the good elements of it, like, the um, when I say good, I mean just solid screenplay elements of it come from the Paul Haggis school. I don't know. Well, like, there's just, like, a rhythm to it that is the natural rhythm of a film to me it feels like someone who knows the rule like was was taught like taught like certain rules of screenwriting and you could kind of probably like time everything out as far as like turning points and events and things and like when the first act ends and like the fun and games playing out and then at the end with the climax coming out and like it ends really like climactically too like a car chase and a wedding and it's like everything thrown in there you know Uh, that shit with the commercials hilarious like there's all these moments to do sort of expand upon like 
bits like the stuff with the Dobermans and the brother and, you know, the dog trying to break out of the house. So it just creates all these like little moments to like play around in for actors and writers and stuff to expand upon. I'm sure it was just an outline. Like I can't imagine mm -hmm. this having been much more than an outline with a couple lines of dialogue here and there, because a lot of it is just like, where are you, Moochie? And like, where are you, Wilby? Want me to blow your mind again? Please. There's a show you hosted on this network that was called Hanks for the Memories. Do you recall it? Still host it. Hanks has been dormant for a few months. You've been dormant for a few months, too, with some of your shows. I've been putting out this show. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if you're caught up on some of the other actors. I'm not sure. I think I'm caught up on Hanks. I think we are. Okay. Okay. So you're caught up on Hanks. There is somebody in this movie who essentially, I, I can't think of a pun, but Instead of Hanks for the Memories, it would have been Warring and Peace or something. Todd Warring, who plays Moochie, famously replaced Tom Hanks twice in media in the 80s. Are you aware of this? Oh my gosh. Splash 2, <laughs> as in T, like Teen Wolf 2, T-O-O. -O. Yes. That might be on my other show, not this year, but next year, second time around. Holy mackerel, because of the fish mackerel splash, anyway. He kind of has Tom Hanks 80s vibes. You know what I mean? What's the other one? What's so the other he one? was in Nothing, nothing in Common. In common. He was no. a, yeah, he was a oh TV version. God, they did a show of that fucking movie. <laughs> that movie wanted me to slip my wrist. It was so depressing. They did a show. So twice he replaced Tom Hanks and things, which is amazing. That is hilarious. Did an episode of Wings. Love to see that. Man, this kid works. Brian, can I blow your mind for a moment? Sure. 1988, the character is Mr. McGann. The TV show is Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And Tom Waring is that character? He is an, in an episode, oh, okay. <laughs> which means he even acted. You know who played the dad in that? Oh. The, the other bosom buddy. He has a lot more Hank's connection than previously realized. The most Hank's connected person ever? Hmm. But the lead here will be Gary Kroger. Did you know this guy was on SNL? Because I didn't. See, that makes sense, though, because it feels like a kind of SNL movie from the 90s. You know, that's what I was sort of trying to explain about, like, it feels like an outline that there are these, like, moments. But in between that, you can kind of play around and, like, make up the gags and stuff. That's wild, though. No, what season? Who was on his cast? He is from the cast of Dick Ebersole oh. when Lorne Michaels took his hiatus, we'll call it. Very cool. Not a lot of other famous people. No, I, I, I recognize the maid, or I thought I did, and the butler. And I was just like, I wanted that butler to be Roddy McDowell so bad, dude. Like, you have no idea. So quickly on the maid, did you did you get her name? Was that Mira? Jane Carr? Jane Carr. Jane Carr. I remember when her. She you... talks like this, governor. Yes. I'm a big Friends fan, and she had a quick cameo in Friends. If you're a Friends mm -hmm. fan out there, I'll tell you what it is. Rachel is heading to London to break up Ross and Emily's wedding. She Ooh. gets to the airport, and the woman at the desk for her to buy tickets is this woman and she's like just oh. you know, really strict right like uh and then rachel mm. for your passport and stuff and a bit of comedy there and, and that's where i recognized her i know where i know her from where do you know her from this is hilarious the 1988 judd hirsch tv series dear john dear john yes judd <laughs> hirsch wow i didn't realize she was in that that's awesome so there's another person that i did recognize did you oh. recognize who played laura Cindy Morgan. She looks kind of familiar. When you click her IMDb, click it, you'll see what she's famous for. Okay. I know her immediately now. Yeah. Caddyshack. Caddyshack, yes. Yeah. But uh, she's also in Tron. She's also in Tron. So two big roles there, yeah. Uh, looks like she's passed. She she recently, December 30th, 2023, she passed. Ooh, so recent. Oh, I remember seeing that because all, all, all the Tron stuff all the love for tron was up online there's no tron 3 right it's on its way okay, it's good. in the works they're working i loved i loved tron 2 one of the first movies one of the first movies i saw with my wife in the theater tron 2 disney live action brian tron the cutting edge you know and and what a spectacular failure that was at the time you know and it just but they tried but it's just they never got a grip on that live action for some reason and they i mean it never they never slowed them down you know they still had to make dividends i guess going down my notes so they didn't even read, sure, sure. read your six pages I, I I only have one thing uh, plot wise that is really confounding me that we'll get to, and not the fact that a guy turns into a dog. 
So the only other thing I really wanted to mention is that this movie was when it was released or not released when it was shown when it was aired when it was aired I was let's see two and a half months old I did not watch this you were alive I was alive that's what I wanted to see like was I alive for this film and I was barely but I was 87 so All the other notes I have are like, oh my God, the Dobermans and stuff like that. That's not worth reading on air. All right. Well, I got one worthy note, I think. Aside from like how awesome all that commercial stuff was, I I wish I wrote down everything he did during the commercial shoot. He's like making sausages and shit. Like it's wild. Uh, I feel like he's like sharpening pencils. I don't know. It's crazy. Uh, But okay. So plot wise, the old professor who owns the magic ring, he has a sheepdog named Manfred. All right. Now, what took me a while to figure out is that when the inscription is read, now I got another thing after this, but when the inscription is read, Wilby becomes a dog. But it's not until like halfway through that the inscription's read in front of Manfred and Manfred disappears. So, like, what actually ends up happening is like Wilby and Manfred like merge together like Firestorm, if you're familiar with that comic <laughs> book character, where it's like a, a jock and a professor and they merge to become Firestorm. That threw me. Like, that really threw me off. <laughs> and also, why is only Wilby changing? Did he wear this ring at some point? That is never specified. It must be in the first film. It must be. And I don't remember. But They, they allude the to the film. first film about once or twice where they're like, remember that time? The dog transformation? And they're like, don't, we never talk about that. And then I wonder, are the dogs all descendants? Of each other, or it's just like the, a professor has to own the dog, right? Was the dog ever a human? Maybe. I looked up the second film, and the dog's name was Elwood, which is funny because that's that's my dog's name. So oh, that's nice. what was interesting. But it's definitely not uh, this dog. Um, it wouldn't make sense anyway with the years that have passed. We do see a, a very nice painting, a portrait of someone with one of these sheepdogs, and it does not appear to be Manfred. You know, that's just a question that's still out there. So it's not like it's a tight, tight, perfect movie or anything. No, I don't think Disney and sci-fi. I mean, you mentioned Tron. That was probably their one that like they got it right. This is like the whimsy of Disney. You know, it's like, oh, it doesn't make any sense, but it's happening. You know, bed knobs and broomsticks. Okay. Two weird words that sound funny together. Let's go. So earlier I thought of a film. Uh, Homeward Bound that I liked mm. as a kid, right? And then I realized, now that you mentioned Ben House and Broomstick, I realized Homeward Bound 2 is technically the third because The Incredible Journey is the first one. Ooh. And then they remake, because with all the remakes, it's the first one, The Incredible Journey from 1963, you could look it up. Yep. And Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey came out in the 90s. And, yes. and then there's Homeward Bound 2, Lost in San Francisco. So that's a part two oh. that could technically be a part three. Disney has a fascinating history with, with these. Again, like stuff like Mary Poppins, obviously, was a huge hit. That one survived. You know, that was, I love that. But uh, yeah. you know what's one that also had a remake that no one saw the remake? Well, I saw the Mary Poppins remake. I thought it was oh, really good. I forgot that, that happened. But uh, That Darn Cat from 1965. Are you familiar what? with this one? It, it's like a cat film. <laughs> so they had dog films. Yeah, they made dogs. some. There was one from space as well. But And then The Ugly Dotson, which I mentioned before, because we're talking dog films, I really wanted to go into that plot. I believe, and I remember seeing it as a kid, I believe it was a woman and a man have a meet-cute and they fall in love. And she has like three or four Dotsons and he has a Great Dane. And they just, you know, they have to get along. Oh, with all their dogs. So dogs instead of kids. (laughs) (laughs) Blackbeard's Ghost. Have you seen that one? No, that sounds awesome. It's a but the, the Disney version of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea is incredible because you have James Mason with his accent. Mm. Then you have Kirk Douglas with his, how are you doing kind of stuff. And then you have Peter Lorre with his accent. It is like wow. a master class of trying to understand what the hell everyone is saying. And it looks gorgeous, too. I think originally it was in Cinemascope. So it was like one of those movies that kind of wrapped around theaters. How about this one, which I'm familiar with from like the blockbuster. I might have rented it, but like I'm familiar from like the blockbuster tape. Okay. Uh, 1969's The Computer War Tennis Shoes. With Kurt Russell. (laughs) Kurt Russell, yeah. Yeah. I don't think I ever saw that one, but I was very aware of it. I never forgot that title. How can a computer wear tennis shirts? But then you have, you know, Babes in Toyland, Pollyanna, The Parent Trap, of course. The Disney um, Babes in Toyland is like, the color in that one is gorgeous, and the songs are fantastic. And I think that guy from Twin Peaks is in there, the guy that dances, you know, um, the doctor <laughs> with the 3D glasses. 
Dr. Jacoby? There is a podcast on everything. The other day I was walking my dog and I was like, oh, I'm sure there's a Scooby-Doo podcast, but is there just room for another Scooby-Doo podcast? Because I'd love to watch every episode of Scooby-Doo. Mike, I found 20 Scooby-Doo podcasts. Get the hell over here right now and let's start number 21. Are there things like those meddling kids? Is that yeah, the name of one? That's of one. That's one. You're right. Anything you could think of with Scooby-Doo. You know, like literally, again, I'm walking my dog. It's night. We're doing a nice long walk. And I'm like, oh, it should be called this. It should be called that. Every single title I thought of was already thought of and someone else was doing it. So I remember when I first started High School Slumber Party, I truly believe I was the first one ever to talk about teen films. Go, go, <laughs> no, I'm serious. Go and talk. Not, not ever, but like on a podcast. Go and look it up. It's insane. I mean, now, obviously, that's not the case. But I remember talking with people, you know, probably Joey, probably you. And it's like, oh, you know, look it up and see if you're the first to do something, right? That's not the case anymore. If you want to do a podcast, my point is just do a podcast because you're not going to be the first for anything anymore. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I think I can speak for myself and say who the hell would ever want to do this show. Like, this has to be the only one of these, right? Well, I think, I mean, we've looked up the tri- there's the trilogy podcast. That's out. But I think they talk all the films in the trilogy. You just talk the third. So that's pretty unique. Yeah, we, we try to stick exclusively. So you only watch it, but we kind of, you know, travel the entire series uh, as it were, but we try to stay close to home as we can, but that's the age we live in, man. Would you believe next year, Joey and I will be doing this 10 years? And that's insane. Cage Club 10. I can't wait for the logo. Oh, we should rebrand. We should change the name and everything. (laughs) Escape to Witch Mountain. That was 75. Yeah, yeah. There was two of those, and then they remade it with The Rock. I think we talked about some of this in our last episode. Yeah, we did, yeah. Have you seen Gus? I've not seen Gus. What is Gus? I'm I'm just going to read you one line. Okay, one line. It's going to blow your mind. A Yugoslavian donkey becomes a star kicker of a loser NFL team. (laughs) What? What? I've never seen this one, but yes, I'll say it again. A Yugoslavian donkey becomes a star kicker of a loser NFL team. Why is it only called Gus? Why isn't it called the star kicking donkey? Like, what the fuck, Disney? Like, that's part of your issue right there. Original Freaky Friday. I like the animal stuff, I think, the most, you know, because it's like they were ignoring safety regulations. Like, I feel I felt a little bad for the dog in this. Like, most of the time they're using puppet mitts. Like, you could tell the dog's there, but like a human's doing the arms and stuff. But every once in a while, the dog doesn't look like he's very comfortable. There's the one part at the end where they have him blindfolded and gagged, oh my God. and he's tied up in ropes. And I'm like, they really did all that to the dog? Poor dog. Could have been a puppet. It actually that now that i think about it there's probably tons of puppetry in this version 87 there's no way i mean they could have had a jim henson guy or like one of their you know imagineers on the case my point is i'm sure there's a live action disney podcast i'm sure there's multiple ones because disney podcasts are very popular maybe there's a niche for these i don't know well it's like joey and i thought i mean no you know we're like well there's hundreds of elvis podcasts but no one's talking about the movies except for us you know like just crazy to think about from from especially from our perspective of we've never seen him before. We're not really compulsive Elvis fans. You know, like there's some Elvis fans that are like, God bless them. Like it's their life, right? Like every, every artist I feel has like that. And I love Elvis. Don't get me wrong, but like, you know, we're coming at this completely blank. Right. And so that's why I think that show does what it does. Right. Like it's, it gets a lot of attention for what it is. So in in a sea of Elvis podcasts. Yeah, for sure. I mean, but Mike, maybe, maybe we'll pitch it. The Disney live action podcast. There's so many of these films that I've never heard of. <laughs> oh, I didn't know they produced Return to Oz. Awesome. Oh, the only good Oz. There's so much Oz that needs to be done. Are you familiar with this one? This is a Kate Hudson favorite. I want to cover it on High School Slumber Party. The Journey of Natty Gan with a young John Cusack. No. Young John no, Cusack, yeah. Not at all. I know like Peach Dragon. Peach Dragon. Like, that's my era. Herbie. I know era. you know this one, Mike. Flight of the Navigator. You have to know that one. Definitely. Love that one. Definitely saw that on TV. Benji the Hunted. Saw that in theaters. Cheetah with none other than oh, Keith Coogan. I saw the poster. I'm like, I know this guy. Keith Coogan. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So anything else with the Shaggy Dog? No, man. I think I think we're good to go. I would really love to own one of these sheepdogs. They're adorable. Beautiful. They do amazing stunts. Really got to take care of the hair, though. You really got to comb, they can talk, comb every day. wear glasses and hats <laughs> and ties. They can drive cars. It's amazing. That car sequence was, was pretty hilarious. And I thought there was one that one transformation at the Oh, that's what I wanted to ask you about. Okay, so Brian, uh, in this movie, they're planning a wedding. They have a rehearsal, and then they have a wedding. All right, all within like three mm. days. I have a note on this. And he's turning into a dog. Uh, what's it been? Two years since you were married? Three? 2019? 2019. More than that now. Five. 
It's going to wow, be five. It's going to be five. five. So four. Okay. So it might be hard to think back five years from now, but like when you were planning your wedding and first of all, these in-laws, they remind me of Kay Adams <laughs> from the book. Kay Adams' parents, like this is what I picture. You know, how much harder would it have been to do your rehearsal dinner and and all of this had you also been turning into a dog at the time? Or did you feel like maybe that's how crazy you were going? Is this all some kind of metaphor? I felt like for it. getting married, like his stress. I tell you, I felt like it. Yeah. Something I will criticize the film on. One of the posters has him as a dog at the altar marrying her. I was looking forward to that. Did not happen. Did not happen in the movie, though. No, but there were those bestiality jokes. But it, I mean, it was surprising in a Disney movie where the one woman was like, I'm in love with them. And the other one thinks she's talking about a dog. And she's like, I'm going to get married to him. And when the other one's like, all right, lady, like, help yourself. Yeah, look, it's an innocent thing. I don't think anyone was thinking bestiality at the time. I don't think the bestiality. Ad- no, advocates. I'm joking as well. I, I, no, I know, but it's funny. I'm just like, trying to be sensational. It, it's funny that like today with the internet and x and stuff like that people would 100 percent be like oh what this is inappropriate right but at the time no one's really thinking that again the only risque thing was the, the girl in the shower but she's toweled anyway on that note brian uh as we get out of here is there anything you'd like to talk about anything you'd like to plug out there online before we say goodnight look high school summer party's gonna come back just pretty tired raising a kid but check out the old episodes but we will be back i have a ton in the archive that i haven't released i some part ap as well i already mentioned you and i and uncle francis's wine cellar we are deep diving the book we are really taking it chapter by chapter not episode to chapter correlation but like we are taking it slow um and we are just going and comparing book and movie we are waiting for perhaps the greatest movie of all time i don't know megalopolis is on its way this year and i can't wait for that one um and yeah otherwise pretty regularly i'm on too fast too forever so check that show out it's usually on the patreon episodes and usually some risque after dark things so you gotta be really a patron to listen to those i i had no idea i mean joey's gonna listen to this episode but i don't think too many i mean there might be fast fans who listen to this as well but i was not aware that there was a whole too fast too forever discord but apparently a lot of my picks contribute to a lot of the discourse on the discord when oh. i picked to do the movie shame have you seen that one mike shame uh with fastbender yes, fastbender Yes. There was a yes. lot of uh, yes. talk about Fastbender's member on the fa- Too Fast. Yes, too- yes member. Yeah. On the Too Fast, Too Forever Discord. So just you can be a patron of that and listen to some exclusive stuff. There is other cool stuff on the Cage Club Network. You already mentioned your Elvis show. And of course, mm-hmm. the Monsters That Made Us and all the other great things that you do with all the other actors, Hanks, Cruz. Listen to this guy. And. A little guy named Nicolas Cage who's been active as fuck this year and last year. So <laughs> Yes. The Cage will never die. Yeah, you can catch all of that goodness over at cageclub.me. Thank you, Brian, as always, my unofficial co-host. Thank you very much. And for everyone listening, we will see you next time. Good night. Good night. Three. That's a magic number. Three. It is. It's the magic number. Three, they stub at me, and that's the magic number. What does it all mean?